she just had an incredible impact because she knew that her time was short. And so every conversation she stepped into, every relationship she stepped into, she knew it could be the last. And so she was just intentional in a way with people that we kind of only imagine being. Hey everybody, it's Mary DeMuth and this is The Restory Show. And today I'm welcoming Jordan Fontenot to the show. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on. Glad to be here. So Jordan and I have known each other a really long time and I don't even know how many years, but his, um, he and his mom are were friends of mine and he's still friends of mine, of course. And uh, that's how we met was through her. And um, we actually weirdly met for the first time where? Do you remember, Jordan? I, I don't, actually. I would have thought it was one of my mom's parties, but... No, it was in France. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and we nice. actually, yeah, we had not ever met each other, and we got a call from um, from someone at our church saying, well, the Fontenots are going to come to France, and they want to meet with you. And we were like, who are the Fontenots? And uh, we'd had a lot of guests coming, um, as you can imagine, because we weren't in a really you know, uh, we weren't like missionaries in Iraq or something. We were missionaries in the Southern coast of France. So we had lots of visitors. So I was a little skeptical, but that's when we met you and it was awesome. So we first met in France and then, uh, yes, as you mentioned, many of your mom's parties. So uh, tell us a little bit about your origin story, where you grew, grew up, how you met Christ, what's going on right now, stuff like that. Um, sure. I grew up in Rockwall. I grew up, um, as one of your listeners called it, or one of your uh, guests called it, the in, in the bubble. I grew up in the bubble, yes. but <laughs> although I was in the bubble, I wasn't exactly of the bubble. Um, and uh, so I grew up in Rockwall, uh, went to Rockwall High School, graduated, uh, actually studied English. That was kind of my passion. Uh, d- did both my bachelor's and master's in English, and that's kind of, in terms of my educational background, it's kind of where I went. I uh, wanted to be a professor I uh, wanted to be kind of the classic Tolkien reading, tobacco uh, pipe smoking professor, um, and then eventually transitioned to law, which is what I do today. And I've, I've enjoyed that, um, representing doctors and hospitals. But um, kind of where I, in terms of my spiritual history, I grew up in the church, uh, going to Lake Point Church, and was always felt that I was a Christian um, from a young age, at least. Um, but probably not until I was 11 or 12 did the truth of the gospel really kind of sink in for me. And in a lot of ways, it was it was over some of those church camps where I, I finally understood what it, what the gospel actually meant in terms of um, Christ calling me in to live a different life. Um, and then kind of uh, was a, a professing Christian up until college. Um, in terms of what's going on right now, um, I got married um, to my wife, Allison, and we are we recently found out that we're expecting twins. <laughs> that is so crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. So, I mean, it, we, it really came out of the blue a little bit, but uh, I forget which uh, forget which fruit we're on because you're supposed to kind of follow what uh, their, their development by what fruit. I think we were past the we're pa- just past the pear stage. Um, so <laughs> two pair, a pair of pears. A pair of pears. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of my uh, origin uh, story a little bit. Yeah. So what uh, story would you like to share with the Restory listeners today? I wanted to share kind of two stories that are interrelated. And it's the story on the one hand of my mom's battle with cancer. Um, And then on the other hand, it's um, kind of my own journey to and kind of away from the church in college and then uh, back to the church, um, if I can if I can say it that way. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So just to kind of jump into it, uh, when I went off to college, uh, I wanted to be an English professor. I'd had a, a teacher in, in high school. His name was Jay Garrett. 
And he was just one of those those people that just kind of transformed all of his students uh, and their and their thinking. Um, I think he was one of the first people that kind of taught taught me to look at literature more as almost like you would enjoy a creme brulee and less like you know just reading a text. Um, and he also saw he also really really was convicted about the fact that many of life's kind of deepest questions would be could be answered through uh, the arts and not through the hard sciences. And so he was the one who kind of converted me. Uh, to English. Um, and so going off to college, that was kind of my, my primary focus became um, career and study and that sort of thing. And I think that slowly kind of started to pull, pull me away from uh, what I believed growing up and what I uh, prioritized. And, and two, there's just, when you go off to college, there's just so many things that kind of suck your time away. Um, I'm thinking of like the parable of the, is it the seeds where they talk about being choked out by the world? Um, just, just in general, like, so you've got all these collegisms, these things you do on a daily basis that you wouldn't have done, um, you know, just hanging out with friends, intramural sports, studying, trying to, you know, just do all these things. Um, and, and in that, you know, the things that used to be primary for me, I just kind of let slide to the wade side. Um, and so around that time, uh, just kind of what God wanted or what his plan for both humanity and then for me. Um, kind of fell in the background in my uh, in my life a little bit, um, and that's that's kind of when during my sophomore year in the spring semester when I first got the diagnosis um, or first learned about my mom's diagnosis. So the way the way that ended up happening, I remember how they they told me. Um, my parents drove down to College Station where I was, and um, you know, I was excited to see them because for one, I, you know, you always say, tell your parents that you're going to call them every week and <laughs> you're going to stay in touch. But it was more like every, it became every two weeks, every three weeks. And then, you know, I hadn't seen them in the semester. So I was super excited to see them. Um, and we were going to go, go to dinner. And at that point, um, they kind of pulled me in the, in the truck, put me in the back seat, And they just said, you know, your mom, she has, we want to, we need to tell you some news. She has uh, what's called cholangiocarcinoma. And I think they, you know, they kind of do the, how serious the cancer is by how long it is, <laughs> you know? Um, and so they, it, it, they told me, you know, she, the typical prognosis is three to six months. Um, and that more like, more likely than not, she wouldn't be alive for another year. Um, so that was just, yeah, just some, some heavy news. Um, obviously just kind of rocked my world a little bit. Um, I think people always compare it to kind of getting, getting the sort of news to like getting the your, you know, wind knocked out of you. I think it's more, I think it's more like, you know, being handed a parachute and being pushed out of plane. And as you're falling, being like, uh, you know, I thought we were supposed to be flying here. You mm. know, it's just a different, <laughs> a different direction of your life. That's a good metaphor. Yeah. A so ter- as, as terrifying kinda, metaphor. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. But <laughs> no, I mean, good. I think, I think that's how I kind of, we all kind of processed it. My sister and my dad, we all received this news, but I, I think it was so, it's one of those things that's just so heavy that you don't really, you don't really fully ingest it. You just kind of, um, you hear it and then you try to deflect it. And then occasionally you, you take it in piecemeal. Um, but that's how, that's how they kind of, that's how they kind of told me. Um, and it wasn't long after that she went into surgery, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I'll just kind of get into that. She, you know, I'm not exactly sure, looking back, just about the all the timings of all the surgeries, because I, I kind of went back and looked at some of the Caringbridge entries. But yeah, she, I mean, shortly after that, she had she had a major surgery, and over the next couple of years, just to kind of um, 
get to the end of the story, she didn't live just three months, six months. She lived uh, five years after that initial diagnosis. And so in that time, there were all, all sorts of there were several rounds of, of, of chemo and radiation and then major surgeries uh, where, where they would use what's called um, microwave ablation or cyber knife radiation to literally kind of cut away or deliver high doses of radiation to the tumors. Um, and so she was able to, to progress after that. Um, but just her surgeon, Dr. Kuhn, he was just kind of a beautiful man. And he, yeah, he literally saved her life several times and, and gave us that, gave us that um, extra time. Um, and, and again, you know, kind of, I think anyone who's gone through something similar, kind of, you, you, you get kind of all sorts of ups and downs, uh, both spiritually and then just in terms of the news you're getting. Um, so I just, uh, what I think about is all the times we were tra- tracking what's called the CA, uh, nine, 19 or, or 19, nine rather, um, numbers, which are, you know, what, what the tumor markers are, are showing. And so it literally, if your number's high, it means your cancer's doing bad. And if it's low, your cancer's doing good and just was going up and down the whole time. Um, but I think kind of one of the lessons I take away from that time uh, was just the way my mom it, just held herself during that time. Um, she just had an incredible impact because she knew that or she, you know, she, she knew that her time was short. And so every conversation she stepped into, every relationship she stepped into, um, she kind of uh, she knew it could be the last. And and so she was just intentional in a way with people that we kind of only imagine being, um, if that makes sense. It does. And I, I was the recipient of a lot of that. And that really I still think about some of those conversations and her intentionality. And I didn't know her strongly before. I mean, I knew her before the cancer diagnosis, obviously, because she was in our life group and all of that. But I, I really got to know her during it. And um, you're right. I saw a lot of that carpe diem go on where she just didn't, she flat out didn't care what anyone thought. Of course, she's always been that way, but uh, she's a little Cajun woman, so she doesn't care. And wildly creative and super fun and life of the party. But uh but yeah, I noticed that a lot. And, and she would just do these crazy things. She would, you know, stop the, the, we had like one homeless guy in Rockwall at the time and she'd like take care of him and, you know, make sure he had food. And, uh, she would just invite, she, what I kind of thought when I think about her still, I think about her as the person who attracts strays. So <laughs> she would always attract strays and all these random people that she ran into somewhere and had a conversation with somewhere were at her house and at a Bible study or, or whatever. So I just, I still think about that a lot. Yeah. I think about, uh, too, just her. So, so both are speaking of people that are just kind of random, her hairdresser, who she didn't know that well, she eventually developed a relationship with her. She invited her to one of these big parties and then, you know, just kind of had that relationship. And then after she got a new hairdresser, he, she ended up inviting him to these parties too. Mm-hmm. And one of the last things she did, um, one of the, you know, she always had her projects or her vision yes. of, uh, you know, something she wanted to get done. And it was that she wanted to, um, create these kind of get, pick out the curtains from Hobby Lobby and set them up in his, in, um, Lewis's new studio, uh, that he was opening in Dallas. And because her health was declining at that point, she was able to depict them out, but she didn't put them together. So she, you know, using her Cajun 
persuasion, she roped in her best friend, Missy, and had her put together the curtains and set them up in his uh, studio. And that was one of the last things boss product she did. Yeah, that's a perfect story that illustrates both her tenacity and her ability to get things done. So as you were walking through this up and down and up and down and up and down, it was certainly a the worst roller coaster ride that anyone would ever want to be on. How how is your faith pinging back and forth? How is that working for you? Um, yeah, I I think some I think in some ways I kind of just because I couldn't digest the information and the news. Um, I think because my roots weren't solid, I think it pushed me away from God in a lot of ways. But also, as as things progressed over the years, it also was what kind of drove me back to God, because um, as I was re- faced with the reality of my mom's own, um, I think it, it forced me to kind of engage with some of the deeper questions um, that I wouldn't have wanted to deal with. Um, and so I think it's actually what kind of uh, brought me back to uh, to faith, and I think at some point, as I was kind of, and I, I eventually was an agnostic in, in college or professed to be an agnostic, uh, but but in that I, I eventually had to intellectually, to be honest, I had to say to myself, you have to engage the best arguments with Christianity if you're going to dismiss it. And so I began reading some of uh, John and Paul and. I began look, uh, listening to old lectures from Kenny Marchetti, who is you know, one of our good friends and who's a pastor and now a, a professor at University of Dallas. And in, in that, I think God began to show me that um, just two things. One, everything that I was doing, everything that I was putting my hope in, whether comfort or career or just experience for experience sake, um, all those things were kind of empty. And, and two... Um, to really honor my mom, I would have to uh, just, I guess, uh, confront the fact that um, that she was, uh, you know, she could uh, pass soon, and um, that this cancer diagnosis was was it's a real thing, and it's something you have to uh, encounter. Um, so that's kind of where I was. So the reality of all of that, plus the um, your ability or your desire to have a robust intellectual. <laughs> pursuit and not just have straw men arguments, both of those things married together helped you, you know, kind of return. Was there like a moment of return or was it a gradual journey of return? It was a, it was a gradual journey and it, there were different moments, I would say, but it was a gradual, it was definitely a gradual journey uh, because on the one hand, it was almost like when I was in college station with the same friend groups that I was, um, I would sometimes just kind of put this out of my mind. Uh, but then what, and then when I would come back for like, let's say, a, you know, some test results or just to see my parents, then the reality of it would, I'd have to, I'd have to face it. And so that's kind of how I came back. Um, and certainly by towards the end, um, and when I moved back to Dallas, um, I definitely was a hundred percent saying, I want to follow Christ now. Um, I also wanted to read one of my mom's blog posts, if that was okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is from her uh, Caring Bridge, and it kind of gives a sense of who she was, and also also just how the church kind of sometimes is the flesh and bone presence of of Christ. Um, and the, the post is called uh, Trust in Grace, and it was written after we had received some particularly bad news. So it says, um, Dear Friends and Family, I'm sitting in Starbucks just reading through the guest book with tears flowing because of God's goodness and your faithfulness. Your words are healing to me. 
The last few days, I've felt like a heavy cloak has been draped on top of me. I know in my soul, God is faithful, God is good, God is trustworthy. But will you give me permission to hurt, to be weary, to be tired? I believe I have been processing the latest news and clinging to him to do his will alone. Whatever that looks like, we are all in journey, in process, saved by grace, but still in this world. I cling to the fact that Jesus overcame the world, and him alone is victory. A few, a few of you wrote a verse I'm holding fast to at this moment, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Last Friday, we received the results of our latest MRI. My liver has 10 tumors, and they are on both sides of the lobes. I do thank God that is not metastasis to other organ, organs. Dr. M, our oncologist, recommended three options, all of equal effectiveness exceeding to his expertise. Option one, chemo. Option two, interarterial chemo. Option three, gene-targeted trial study. After the news, I enjoyed a beautiful visit from my sisters, Kitty and Donna, my niece Morgan, and her friend, Auburn. On Tuesday, after their visit, I was lying in bed processing and trying to be still and be alone in solitude to process. In walked Shelly and Missy. I'd accidentally left the door open, and instead of getting out of bed, they joined me in bed. What a picture, Missy rubbing my feet and Shelly holding my hand continually to give each other comfort. I dedicate this quote to them. When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. The friend that, who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face, face with us the reality of our powerlessness. That is a friend who cares. And then she finishes, uh, okay, let me be real, real and honest with you. I have hope. I'm truly pr praying the Lord's will. I'm working on unclenching my fists and surrendering to his will. I'm not giving up. I'm just moving towards him in trust. I learned God's will is not always my will, but he can redeem any and all situations. The end result is for his glory. May today find you filled with hope, joy, peace, and love. I love you dearly in Christ alone. Twyla. Hmm. Wow. And what, uh, when was that, when did she write that? What was the date on that one? Oh, uh, I actually don't know. I, I think it would have been in, in probably 2013. Or no, sorry, it would have been, it, yeah, it would have been in 2013. So as, uh, from that point on, how much longer was it before she passed away? So I, I'm thinking it was, this was probably in mid uh, 2013, and so she actually passed in March of uh, 2014. Yeah, March 4th. Right, right, which was uh, which was Mardi Gras, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was Tuesday, March 4th. Um, and how how was it for you? I mean, this is a difficult question, but as you made your peace with it, I mean, you never really can make your peace with it until it happens, and then you make your peace with it, but. As you were, were you able to have a conversation with her, maybe a final one, or a, were you able to speak life over her? How, how did that work for you? Yeah, I think, um, I think we had a lot of those conversations, yeah. um, kind of towards the end, um, just conversations where we, where she kind of, and I, I think one of the one, two, the two that stand out the most are one when, uh, I told her I was switching to law mm. and she just, she just kind of 
grabbed my hand and and sat me down and just kind of looked looked at me for a good you know 10 seconds of and just kind of made me felt her presence and then mm. said are you sure this is what you want to do mm. um and i and i told her yeah this is what i want to do and so um it just just something about the fact that she she was just supportive in whatever direction i wanted to go mm-hmm. uh, it was just a real encouragement and then two you know i won't talk too much about the day of her death sure um but i will say one of the last things this was kind of in a sense our last contact um was was me and then just several of the other family members we were kind of in a circle around her um and just in kind of the last hours of her life reading from John 10 and the uh and the, and, af- and after that just the high priestly prayer and just trying to read that and just speaking that those verses over her you could just physically see her receiving them even though even though in a lot of ways I don't think she was conscious or fully uh perceiving everything else around her um it she definitely was comforted by that. And it was, um, so that was just a good moment of completion and kind of coming to terms. Yeah. That one of my regrets, and I still have this regret to this day. You probably don't even know this, but I had a chance to visit with her before she died. And I knew she loved worship music and I wish that I had been more intentional about having lyrics with me or whatever, but had the opportunity to sing some worship songs over her. And again, I saw that same, you could just see it calming her down, giving her peace. And, and I wish that I had had more, you know, I wish I'd had more in my pocket to sing, but, um, but yeah, there's something really beautiful about saying God's word or singing God's word, singing truth about the, you know, the reverence and the beauty of God uh, when someone's near the end, everything else falls away. Like s- all those petty things we think about and our worries about money and all those silly things, you're like, this matters not. What really matters when you get to the end of the day is that the seed has been planted by you know, good soil, that it takes root and that we have a right relationship with God. And as I've been reading, I'm reading Romans every day for 90 days, the whole book of Romans, and I'm, and I'm fascinated and astounded by how many times Paul uses the word right or righteous, that Christ makes us right. And you could see that in your mom. I mean, she knew where she was going. She knew who she believed in. Of course, she was a human and she wavered and like all of us, and she was flawed and like all of us, and she sinned just like all of us. She was not a saint in that sense, but saint in the sense that we are all saints, but... Um, as you began to process her passing and her death, what was helpful and what was not helpful? Yeah, just kind of going back to that that quote that she brought up. It's from Henry Nouwen. Um, just again, I mean, this is kind of cliche, but just when people give you advice or when they try to make comparisons that are kind of cheaper, it, <laughs> I I think it's, it's <laughs> I mean, when they try to give advice that's that's like. Um, that's not that's not grounded in scripture or that's just kind of blindly hopeful or optimistic uh but then they're not willing to sit with you in the in the in the pain and and also just the uh just your own negativity <laughs> you know there's 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 an aspect of it where um where i i just loved when people sat sat down and said you know this this stinks this is terrible um but i'm here for you and so that was i felt like that was um really helpful and then i i think too just people who would um, who always followed up or who just made an extra effort to, after, um, 
after everything was said and done to, to, to reconnect and make those relationships. I think that was an important part because my mom was kind of like a, kind of like a linchpin or a tree at the, at the center of all of these different, this huge network of people. Um, and you don't really realize that until someone passes about, Hey, I, I knew you because of, um, well, not you, Mary, but <laughs> partially you, Mary. Uh, but, uh, you know, this person because of your relationship with someone else. And so the people who, who acknowledge that and said, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to seek after you because I want to see Christ change your life. And I want you, I want to do good in your life just, just to do good in your life. Um, I want to be a part of, I want to know you because I want to know you. Um, I think that was super helpful and um, also just a cool thing. So how much longer, had you known your your wife, I guess pre-wife, uh, when your mom passed or did you meet her after? I can't remember the timing of that. So I met my wife before, and this is also just kind of, I mean, just with our whole story, there's a lot of kind of, just God's kind of interesting timing on things. Um, so Holden, for example, um, our first, my parents' first grandchild was born just a couple months before, or two months, less than two months before she passed. Um, and then two with my, with my wife, I had met her, uh, but my mom, but uh, Allison never actually met my mom. Um, and so that's been something that's been kind of difficult, uh, just because um, there's a whole new era that, that my wife, who's, you know, the most important person to me in my life, um, is kind of shut off from because just, to, just because of the circumstances. But at the same time, it's also I see it as kind of a grace from God that 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 I have this relationship with Allison now, um, and that I, I was able to have that as I was kind of processing um, through her death. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so my final questions are, uh, and you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what advice would you give to someone who has gone through a similar experience as you? Sure. Um, First thing is, you know, never take advice from a 29-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, seriously, though, I, I think having mature people around you and and just the older the better. Uh, and then to, to just, um, again, I mentioned it earlier, just the fact about that I, I sort of ran away from the news. Um, and I felt like my dad and my sister, who they're kind of deflectors, that's kind of their personality, <laughs> um, and distractors. Um, but like we, we, each of us kind of in a different way ran to different things to kind of get away from the news. And, and I think that with any, any sort of tragedy, but especially with, um, health conditions or something similar to what my mom went through, um, I think it's important to, to acknowledge and to confront, um, just the darkness and the, just the tragedy of it. Um, and I think you think that you would grow away from God because of this, that, that you would get mad at God or, that you'd blame God or, or just that somehow, um, somehow from, from looking at this situation that you would lose faith because, you know, you, you think that, um, this, this fact can't exist with God's goodness. Um, but, but what actually happens is the opposite that by seeking after and confronting, um, the darkness of it, you are able to, uh, or God kind of shows you what, um, like who he is and um, what he wants for your life. I think about that time with, you know, Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And and the response was, where are we going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. You're the one, you're it. And so like 
when you are going through that trauma, it's like, where else are you going to go? You could get mad at God and, and that's normal, a normal response, but where else are you going to go? He's really the only one. Yeah. And so how in the past year has just these past 365 days, and I know having a pair of pairs is part of it, but how has God restored you in the past year? Yeah, I think, I think having a pair of pairs and then just <laughs> trying to, to be a good first year lawyer has, has, you know, sucked out a lot of my uh, extra time. Yes. Uh, but, I, but what that, what that reminds me of, and especially just talking about the story today is that we only have so many, we only get so many hours in a day and we only get so many conversations with people. Um, and so what I think God's trying to teach me is every single, every single moment you have with someone, you need to say those, those words that are in your head. Um, you need to, whatever good that you see, that whatever need that you see that they have, you need to meet it. Um, and you need to meet it then. Um, and I think just, I think the call from him on my life is to, to try to live up to my mom's legacy of, uh, just the mouths of the righteous are a fountain of life. That, that kind of sense of, of speaking life into people's lives, uh, whenever you get the chance. It's so important. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for your story today. I know it's a hard one and difficult one to share. So thank you for sharing it. You're welcome, Mary. So everybody else, thank you for listening to the Restory Show today. I know it will have blessed you. I already know. <laughs> I pre-know. Do you mind if I pray for you, Jordan? Uh, sure. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for the story. Thank you for the legacy of Jordan's mom in his life and in my life and many, many branches of people all over the world. And Lord, we do pray that we would take every thought captive and that our mouths would be that fountain of blessing for others today. Help us to say the words in our minds that we should say and also help us to live life to the fullest so that we can um, just be people who worship you all day long and who love people well. That's one thing I remember about Twyla is that she was, she was just a lover of people, which is really get back down to the gospel and it's love you, Jesus, and love others. So help us to, to do that today. And I pray for the listener today who has been um, either in the middle of their own diagnosis battle and they're, they're uh, lacking peace. I pray for peace in their lives. And I pray for those who are walking alongside someone who's battling uh, cancer or another kind of disease. And I pray that this would be an, this show would have been an encouragement. And I pray that you would uh, that your nearness would be their good. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, I'm so grateful for Jordan for being here. And if you'd like to know more about today's show, you can go to RestoryShow.com for the latest episode information. And may you live a brand new story this week. <laughs>